1: I want Jesus in my life. I don't want to play around with compromise. I want the Lord. God has given us prophecy to warn us clearly that the only safe place for our faith is with the Lamb of God at the time of the end. Friend, trust His Word. Trust in Him as the true husband of the church.
0: That's Pastor Michael Tenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, make sure that you call us at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is there right now. To take your prayer request and to pray with you. 888 244 HOPE. Today's broadcast with Pastor Michael oxen is entitled The Woman and the Beast. We brought you the first portion of this message the last time we were together, and we will conclude it now. Remember, you can always find these messages online at reachingyourheart.com. Let's get underway with today's broadcast. Here's our pastor, teacher Michael oxen
1: Our Father, who art in heaven, right? Where's God's throne? In heaven. How would be your name? God's name, God's law, same thing in the Bible. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done where? On earth as it is in heaven. As God's throne exists in the heavens, his will is to be kept on earth. And when we pick and choose which ones of those commandments we are to keep as Christians, we have fallen into the trap of the harlot who refuses to have blue on her garment. She has repudiated those things, who refuses the white robe of Christ's righteousness as well. So the color blue represents obedience to all of God's Ten Commandments, not just nine or eight of them. And white represents the righteousness of Christ. The harlot has neither of these two colors. The Bible says that the kings of the earth have become drunk with the wine of Babylon's immorality. The intoxicating union of the church and the state in the book of Revelation will make the peoples of the earth drunk at the time of the end. I mean, there'll be a feeling going around, wow, look, the world's being won. Look at this legislature. It just passed a Christian law making it Christian. Look at this one. And the book of Revelation teaches that there will come a form of Christianity that will engulf the world, not from the heart, but through the state, through the kings of the earth. And this intoxicating union of church and state will lead people to believe that God's kingdom has come to the world. In Bible prophecy, this means that the people of the earth will become unable to interpret the prophecies correctly because they have taken the wine of spiritual Babylon, and thus they cannot discern the signs of the times. They cannot discern the teachings of the Scriptures. Turn to Isaiah 28.7. Here we have a picture of what wine symbolizes, what its impact is on the believer, and why every believer should shun alcohol personally. You know, when I was a young person, I used to drink quite a bit. I drank until I was baptized. I was tempted after I was baptized. I mean, drinking is a real force in our culture, isn't it? Social drinking the like. And I'm telling you, I've seen its effects. It destroyed my grandfather. My grandfather's American Indian, a good side of that in his lineage. My brother, I, when I was younger, had addictive attachments to alcohol. It was only the grace of Christ working in my life that helped me to overcome and the patience of the church in helping me to overcome And I was able as a young man to put it behind me. My children have never seen it in our home. They will never see it in our home. So what does wine represent? You know, the Bible says wine is a mocker. Whoever is is deceived thereof is not wise. Look at this verse, Isaiah 28, 7. These also reel with wine and stagger with strong drink. The priest and the prophet reel with strong drink. They are confused with wine. They stagger with strong drink. Now notice what happens with the wine here. They err in vision. That means prophecy. They stumble in giving judgment. So if you want to mess your spiritual life up, just play around with alcohol and other things like that. The Bible is saying that we need clear vision to understand the prophecies, and wine is a symbol of unbelief, that which intoxicates us and prevents us from seeing the truth. In Daniel 1.8, Daniel refused the wine of Babylon. The Bible says, but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's rich food or with the wine with which he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. As far as the Bible is concerned, alcohol defiles you. So we should stay away from it. It makes it impossible for us to understand the truth. Now look at verse 17 of Daniel 1. Because Daniel took this consecrated stance in his life, he could understand prophecy. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill and all letters and wisdom. How many of you like to have an IQ boost? You want an IQ boost? Stay away from alcohol. Stay away from any kind of drug. I'm going to go further. Stay away from caffeine. It's a stimulant. It's a morphogenic stimulant. It's a precursor. It's a bridge drug. You know, throw that stuff out of your life. Allow the Lord to elevate your IQ, your wisdom, your skill set. But notice what else happens when this occurs. And Daniel had understanding and all visions and dreams. I mean, if you want to understand prophecy, you've got to get the wine of Babylon out of your life, the teaching of Babylon out of your life. But you need to get wine as a concrete presence out of your life too. The reason why Bible prophecy is irrelevant in the minds of many Christian believers today is because they have fallen into the trap of basing their hopes on a kingdom that is 100% of this world, They're not looking for the return of Christ. They're not looking for a kingdom that will come and replace this kingdom. They just want the world to get better for them. Friend, the harlot of Revelation is pictured remaining in the wilderness when she receives the plagues just before Jesus returns. Why? Because she's a worldly church. In the Old Testament, God brought His people out of Egypt into the wilderness, but He didn't want to leave them in the wilderness. He wanted to take them from there to the promised land. So he led them out of the wilderness into the promised land with the preexistent Christ in the pillar of fire and cloud leading his people home. In Revelation 12, after the ascension of Jesus Christ, the church flees into the wilderness to escape the dragon in the Middle Ages. The false religious system of Revelation 17, that is the harlot... That church system stays in the wilderness, never makes it the promised land because the church has become a harlot at the time of the end and because the church has fallen in love with the state, with the kings of the earth, and it will never be saved. That medieval church that the Bible is talking about. That church is identified in the very last verse Revelation 17. It says it is the city that has dominion over the kings of the earth. It's built in Revelation 17 on seven mountains or hills. Only the city of Rome fits that biblical, prophetic description. In fact, Peter, in his epistle, called Rome Babylon. The cryptic name Babylon was used for Rome. So why did God lead His people into the wilderness in the first place? Look at Deuteronomy 8, verse 2. And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. Moses is speaking. That He might humble you. You see, He led you in the wilderness to humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. You see, when things go bad in your life, we're tested. And through that test, we grow. And they did. Verse 3, and he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know. You see, we're all thick-skulled as Christians. We've got to learn something. Here's what we need to learn that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, not by the material things that we possess or what we make as a living or our money or whatever, but that man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Friends, we have a Bible in our hands. We are to live and sustain our lives on the truths of the holy word of God. So God led his people into the wilderness to learn to obey his law, to keep his word because they needed to learn to love him. The harlot in Revelation 17 does not love Jesus because it has by degree rejected God's law, God's gospel, God's authority that is embedded in the Bible and the Ten Commandments. You know, it stuns me. We are living in a day when so many Christians believe that if the Bible really doesn't matter. It's a springboard for truth. What matters is my feelings or what some philosopher, king, theologian comes up with. Friends. Philosopher kings and theologians and whoever else in the Middle Ages that came into existence to replace the Bible, they're dead and gone. and your Bible's still here. It is the record of God's authority for you in Christ. Feelings and tradition that took the place of honest obedience, it can never work at the time of the end either. In Revelation 17, 6, the harlot is guilty of killing the martyrs of Jesus. Some people say, well, you know, all churches are trying to... And that's not true. The church of the Middle Ages has on its hands the blood of millions of people in the great conquests of the Americas and the persecutions that existed after the Council of Trent and the Inquisitions. Don't fool yourself. It came all the way to the 20th century when millions died in Serbia and the like, religious forces bringing people to their death. In verse 4, this harlot church holds a defiled communion cup in her hand because she is a murderer in the context. In verse 3, the harlot is guilty of corrupting the Christian faith with blasphemy against God. In verse 4, the harlot church has become wealthy with the riches of the earth. And in verse 5, the harlot church is the mother church that has spawned daughters who behave just like her. Who would have thought in the books of Daniel and Revelation that the great... Scandal would be that the Christian church itself would be corrupted at the time of the end. That's what the prophecies are teaching. In verse 8, she imitates the mystery of Jesus, life, death, and resurrection. Turn to Revelation 1, verse 8. Here's Christ's title at the very beginning of the book of Revelation. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Now look at verses 17 and 18 Revelation 1. When I saw him, when John saw Jesus, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand upon me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last. In other words, the off and the Omega. Jesus is God too. Verse 18, The living one, I died, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and of Hades. At the divine level, Jesus as Son of God is the one who was, the one who is, and the one who is coming. At the human level, Jesus is the one who was, And then he died, and then he came back to life in the resurrection. That's what the beast power does. The beast has an existence, it then dies, and then it comes back to life. Its deadly wound is healed, and thus it is antichrist. It's mimicking the movements of Jesus. The union of the harlot to the beast in Revelation 17 mimics the mystery of Jesus' incarnation, his death, and his resurrection. That's why the beast is antichrist. During the Middle Ages, the Harlot Church was joined to the beast power and the kings of the earth in a church-state world system that was called the Holy Roman Empire. In 1798, the Church of Rome lost her power in the French Revolution under Napoleon, and she was wounded. She lost her influence, and the state died, and thus the church was disconnected from the state. The beast, as the kingdom order, was not That means the church was reduced to the role of simply being a church, not glued to the superstructure of Europe anymore. But in modern times, the Bible says that the harlot church is coming back. The wound of the beast will be healed. A world order will reemerge. And at the time of the end, as an influence broker in the world, we see the harlot in Revelation 17 riding the world kingdom beast again. And at the time of the end, the harlot church will have many daughters who choose to behave exactly in the same way she did in the Middle Ages. I mean, it's an amazing picture. You know, we get this idea, well, maybe secularism is going to overtake the world at the time of the end. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that a corrupted form of Christianity will gain ascendancy and power over the kings of the earth, and the final union will be a corrupted church-state union at the time of the end. The dragon that persecuted the infant Christ in Revelation 12.3 and the church in Revelation 12.6 had seven heads and ten horns. The beast in Revelation 13 that will administer the mark of the beast at the end of time has seven heads and ten horns. And so the beast is in the image of the dragon that is Satan. The beast in Revelation 17 has seven heads and ten horns. Now in Revelation 17:9 and 10, The Bible says that the heads represent seven phases of world power. So if you want to get a picture of the history of the world, just look at the beast, Revelation 17. It's mapped out in seven distinct phases. There are seven prophetic kingdoms represented by each head, moving from the first world kingdom down to the last one at the end of time. Revelation 17, 9. Open your Bibles. Let's look at the verse, verses 9 and 10. This calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains in which the woman is seated. They are also seven what? What does it say? Seven kings. Five of whom have fallen. Now the context of this present tense statement is the post-1798 world that leads us into modern eschatology. That's the context of this statement. The five have fallen. One is and the other has not yet come. It's coming from the context of the time of the end that this statement is made. And when he comes, he must remain only a little while. So the seventh one is not long. The ten horns represent the kings of the earth who unite with the harlot church in the final phase of church-state oppression at the time of the end. Now look at Revelation seventeen twelve. And the ten horns that you saw are ten kings who have not yet received royal power. You know, the monarchies fail, coming up to World War I. They're over. The Bible teaches, in a sense, these powerful players come back. You have dictatorial lords at the time of the end. It says they are to receive authority as kings for one hour, together with the beast. This is a unified world order here described. These are of one mind, kind of like Holy Spirit kind of thinking, you know? They're of one mind at Pentecost. These are of one mind in the wrong kind of way and give over their power and authority to the beast. So the surrender of nationalism to a global order is here predicted. The beast in Revelation 17 has seven heads, symbolizing seven distinct phases of global dominion to the time of the end. Now let me ask you a question. Would you like to know what those seven heads are? Pinch yourself right now. Do I want to know? Do you? Do you? I'm going to quickly tell you. I'm not going to take long at this.
0: Pastor Michael Oxentenco will be back in just a moment. Reaching Your Heart is a listener-funded program. We step out in faith to purchase airtime on this station because we believe God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages is prayed over. Biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large ministry fundraising machine. We operate totally by faith. Call our toll-free number to make your contribution of any size today. That number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here now, once again, Pastor
1: Michael oxen Tenko. All right, the first four heads in Revelation 17 match the first four kingdoms in Daniel 7. You remember the lion, which was what kingdom? The kingdom of Babylon. Some of you know that. Followed by the bear kingdom, Medo-Persia. The third kingdom was Greece, the four-headed leopard. Alexander's kingdom was divided into four pieces. Rome, the tin-horned monster. Iron teeth, bronze claws. So the first four is Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome. When the beast is wounded in Revelation 13.3, the beast has crowns on its horns in verse 1. Why? Because it's still medieval. There are still monarchies in Europe. The crown represents the ten monarchies that ruled in Europe until the collapse of the old order in World War I. The beast that is wounded is the church-state union that followed the Roman Empire in the Middle Ages. The Holy Roman Empire, the pope and the secular ruler together ruled the world in Europe. The Pope came down, the power of the church was suppressed in the French Revolution, and the Holy Roman Empire was dissolved in 1806. So reason and history insist that head number five must represent the harlot power and the beast power in the wilderness during the Middle Ages. Head number six is de facto the one that is in the modern time. It represents the secular world. Man was made on the sixth day. And so it's the head of secularism. It's the period of time in which the beast is not, in which nationalism has taken the place of a global union that existed in the Middle Ages. And so the beast is not during the phase of Head Six. We are living in that time right now. It represents a brief interval of religious freedom after the collapse of the old order before the final persecutions at the time of the end. Our present freedom, according to prophecy, is temporary And it will soon be gone because the harlot church will one day ride the beast again. The church and the state will unite in an unsanctified way. And people will die at the time of the end to be true to God's word. Head number seven, the final phase of the beast, is future. We are transitioning. We're just before that period of time. Head number seven represents the final union of the harlot church and the beast at the time of the end for one prophetic hour. Take your Bibles, turn to Revelation 17, 11. Just look at it. Turn to there with me. I like to hear a few pages turn. so let me open mine up with you. Revelation 17, 11. Got it? As for the beast that was and is not, just like Christ died, he was and he died, but he comes back. The beast gets healed. It is an eighth, but it belongs to the seven. It goes to perdition. So what's this eighth king about? The eighth king is the real force. The whole beast, in a sense, is the eighth. The eighth is the real force behind all the great world dominions represented by the seven heads. The numerical value of Jesus' name in Greek is 888. Are you with me? Just like the beast is 666, Jesus is 888. And so the beast itself is an eighth. It's trying to be Christ. The world kingdom order is trying to manipulate itself to look like it's Jesus, just like Jesus died. The beast dies. It ceases to be a world power. There's a period of time which nationalism is in play. And then the beast comes back. The beast gets resurrected at the time of the end. The whole world wonders after, just like Jesus got resurrected on Sunday. So there's an eighth king who hates Jesus, who has always wanted to take his place in every age. Satan, working through the world kingdom order, has an antichrist in this world. It is the kingdom of the world, antithetical to Jesus Christ. Revelation 17, 14. They, mean the harlot, the ten kings, and the beasts, will make war on the Lamb. And the Lamb will conquer them, for He is Lord of lords and King of kings. And those with Him are called and chosen and faithful. Really, we have a choice at the time of the end. We can either be in love with the world or we can be in love with Jesus, the Lamb of God. Which one do you want to follow today? I want Jesus in my life. I don't want to play around with compromise. I want the Lord God has given us prophecy to warn us clearly that the only safe place for our faith is with the Lamb of God at the time of the end. Friend, trust his word, trust in him as the true husband of the church. Don't allow yourself to get in the mix between the beast and the harlot. So what happens to the harlot and the beast at the time of the end? In Revelation 17, 16 to 18, the ten horns, the beast, they turn on the harlot they make her naked. They devour her flesh. They burn it with fire. The harlot city will be destroyed before Jesus return, because God has put it into their hearts to do it. In Revelation 19, 19-21, Jesus comes on a horse and he captures the beast. And the beast is thrown into a lake of fire and those who follow the beast are destroyed by the brightness of his coming. So in the end, the lamb wins. The beast, the harlot, and the dragon do not win. Now, I don't know about you. I don't like being a loser. Anybody here want to be a loser in life? Raise your hand. No. Want to be a winner? Do you? I want to win. Why don't you say it with me? I want to win. win. Well, choose the Lamb. You know, the focus here isn't the beast and the dragon. It's Jesus. We win by our connection to Jesus. Constance Effie is happy to be alive today. She is 70 years old. And when the bullet hit her house... It sounded like an explosion, but it didn't hit her. It should have. Its trajectory was straight. It should have hit her and killed her. She was saved by a prayer in a most unusual way, she would say. The bullet didn't hit her because it hit a large framed picture that was made of metal. And that picture stopped the bullet as the picture fell to the floor behind the couch instead of going through her body and killing her. She couldn't believe it. You know, you know, people, they shoot signs and don't pay any attention where the bullets go. One of those bullets that hit the stop sign down the street went right through her house, should have gone right into her, but it hit this picture that was made of metal that saved her life. So what was the picture about? It was the picture that had framed the Lord's Prayer. It was right there. The frame, the glass was shattered, but the words were clear. Our Father who art in heaven, he goes on to say, deliver us from evil. And it fell to the ground. It delivered her from evil right there on the spot. She didn't follow the ground. The picture did. She's happy to be alive because of the Lord's prayer. And she told the world on camera that she was saved that day because of the Lord's prayer. Dear heart, Jesus always lives to make intercession for us. End time events are going to be challenging. Our ticket out of here is the Lord's prayer. At the end of time, when the bullets are flying, the whole world goes crazy against God's people. Jesus will come to save His people. And all those who love Him will be saved from the beast power, the harlot church, the dragon, the final coalition of end-time Babylon, by the Lord's Prayer. Because when Jesus comes in the clouds of glory, He will deliver us from evil for the last time. Our Father, who art in heaven, how it be thy name, thy kingdom come. And the harlot woman, the beast will be no more as we enter a kingdom of light because God's kingdom is coming where the lion is a lamb and the king of God is the bride. And there the bride is ready for the groom. And we go to the marriage supper of the lamb. Why? Because it was granted to the bride to be clothed in white Because the white is the righteousness of Christ. So we have a choice to make at the end of time. The way of the beast or the way of the lamb. Christ, our righteousness, is the way of the lamb. Your own works, your own salvation, perfect yourself up to prove something. That's the way of the beast power and the harlot. God's law is blue. We need his law. Not to prove ourselves, but because we love the Lord. There will be a lawless church and a lawless state structure at the time of the end. Choose Jesus, dear heart. Go to heaven, live forever, and enter a kingdom of light.
0: Are you fascinated by the prophecies of Revelation? Have you wished you could understand prophecy better? Do the symbols of the Bible's last book baffle you? God's Last Altar Call is just the book you need. Mark Fenley clearly explains the events soon to unfold in this world. Be sure to call today for your copy, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. The book is yours for a donation of any size. Thank you for your generosity. Your donations keep this ministry on the air. Again, thank you for your support, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. From everybody here at Reaching Hearts Ministries, we want you to know that we do pray that God is reaching your heart.